Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. As always, I am your host, Ryan Brown, and I am going to have to have my behind carry today. I am working on very little sleep, so to carry my ass on this podcast in the preview of Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and our Boston Celtics. You know who I have. I got Anthony Squid Gabriel. Squid, what's the word? What is going on? For those of you listening, congratulations. The Celtics have just absolutely destroyed the Miami Heat on their home court in game <laughs> five. <laughs> I, I swear that's got to be the case. We, we like to speak these things into existence. Just like we spoke a couple of things into existence on this pod last time we spoke uh last time we spoke we were previewing the nba playoffs including where how far we thought our boston celtics could go turns out we didn't have to worry as much about their first round opponents as we thought we did initially as they clean swept the brooklyn nets kd Kyrie. Ben Simmons didn't play at all. No issues whatsoever. The Celtics handled their business. Clean 4-0 sweep into the second round. Only team in the first round to complete a sweep. They look great in that one. Squid, give me your initial thoughts. I know that was a couple weeks ago. We haven't had a chance to speak on the record about it. But you and I, I think we're both thinking Celtics in seven going into that series. And they just... They just handled business. So talk to me. Well, my reports are that Ben Simmons is coming back for game six of the uh, Celtics heat series. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the Celtics were just absolutely dominating the, the uh, Brooklyn Nets. I mean, every game was fairly close, but you kind of felt you were going to win every game besides maybe the first one throughout the game. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the only storyline, the whole series was that Ben Simmons might be back game five or six, you know, Watch me. I'm, I'm going to dunk this ball like I'm about to throw down a crazy 360 windmill when in reality I barely could get to the hoop to dunk it. No real NBA fan knew Ben Simmons, thought, thought Ben Simmons was actually coming back. And even if they did think he was coming back, there was no way he was making an impact. It was an awesome, easy series win for the Celtics. Um, it was a torch passing. Kevin Durant's amazing. Um, I just think, you know, Brooklyn was a team everyone feared going into this postseason. They didn't want to see him. They saw what they did last year when they got the team right and healthy. And the Celtics said, you know what? No, we are the team to beat. So they tor- they passed the torch from uh, Brook- Brooklyn trying to run the conference to Boston trying to run the conference. And ultimately, maybe Tatum to KD, that's yet to be seen because only one series. Mm-hmm. Then going quickly into the second round, the Celtics played the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks in a highly physical, highly contested back-and-forth series that saw the Celtics fall Multiple times in the series, they were trailing 1-0, 2-1, and 3-2. And yet they still persevered and found a way to not only win a road game six in Milwaukee against the defending champions in Giannis Antetokounmpo, but then hold serve and win in dominating fashion at home in game seven. Yes, the Bucks were without their second man. Chris Middleton, who sprained his MCL in their first round series against the Bulls and was unavailable for the entirety of the second round. But the, the Bucks were still uh, very, very threatening. They looked at times like they were going to take care of business against the Celtics, and yet Boston still found a way to persevere. Man, Squid, this was one hell of a series. I, I was on the edge of my seat for the entirety of it. And the physicality is, I think, what really just blew me away in the series. It, it felt like kind of old school ball. Did you get the sense of that? Yeah, it felt like a football game more than a basketball game for most of the time. Uh, during most of the series, I was pretty frustrated with the officiating. Towards the end, I started to realize, man, these refs have a tough job because, quite honestly, these players are just tackling each other the whole time. And now that we're past the Milwaukee Bucks and I look back to that Bucks series, honestly – I understand why Giannis gets some calls and I understand why some Bucks fans could be a little upset with the way Giannis officiated. And I understand why Celtics fans are upset with the way that uh, Giannis officiated because any call could be a charge to block against that guy. And honestly, that was the biggest, uh, that was the biggest thing. If anyone follows Rex Chapman on Twitter, block or charge. That was pretty much what the whole series was. Was it a block or was it a charge? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in this series, we got all so- sorts of all-time performances. Al Horford became possessed by basketball gods for a two-game stretch in which he single-handedly was going toe-to-toe with prime Giannis Antetokounmpo and dunking on him, posterizing him, face-mushing him, getting teed up for said face mush, which really wasn't a face mush. It was just kind of him, his arm coming down after thrunking on him. Uh, But then you get Grant Williams leading the team, dropping a career high. I think it was 27 points in game seven on, on like, I think it was what? Seven threes, seven of 13 from three unbelievable performances from guys that you probably weren't expecting to do so outside of Tatum and Brown in this series. And the Celtics needed them. The Celtics needed these guys to step up and to make this happen. And I think we would be also remiss if we didn't shout out the Celtics defense, which just for, for the most part smothered the bucks. Yes. Antetokounmpo got his no doubt about it. There's only so much you can do with Giannis, but for them to just continually be switching their strategies on Giannis, confusing him, not letting him get comfortable facing one sort of defense, whether it's just straight up man-to-man from Al or, or Grant or bringing double teams here and there. I think the Celtics game plan on at least containing Giannis uh, was a success. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean – I saw a lot of people try to take away the Celtics winning this Bucs series. Wasn't super impressive because Middleton wasn't there. And it's like Giannis was literally putting up Shaq stat lines in some of these games. Like no one else in NBA history has done this besides Shaquille O'Neal in his prime, which was like 40 rebounds. Sorry, 40 points, 20 rebounds, which is just absolutely insane. Yeah. The fact that he did that. And I heard people trying to say, you know, it's not that impressive. I'm like, anytime you can beat someone who's putting up Shaquille O'Neal stats, it's impressive because I don't care if Chris Middleton wasn't there. That's still a tough series win. Um, I mean, I showed their resilience for the most part because they choked to game five, mm-hmm. and, which was probably one of the most frustrating games I've ever watched as a Celtics fan. So going from that to game six, they could have just packed it in like they did early in the year where when they choke a game, they just kind of go on a four-game stretch where they can't win anything and let it get in their heads. Instead, they persevered, and that's what this kind of whole season turnaround has been, going from absolutely horrible to absolutely amazing in the whole season to doing it within each series now is kind of like a microcosm of the whole season, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Now let's, let's table the Celtics talk for just a moment and let's take a, a gander around the rest of the league and catch us up on the first two rounds of the playoffs. I think the big thing in round one outside of our Celtics sweeping the nets was the Dallas Utah series. We know Utah is a perennial regular season hero playoff fraud. And once again, that story held true. The, the Jazz had an opportunity to jump up big time on Dallas as Luka did not play in the first two games of that series. And yet the Mavericks not only held serve and got a split at home, but then immediately promptly took home court back in game three uh, before handling the series uh, in games five and six. You were right spot on the money on this one, Squid. So I will give you your flowers on this one. I thought the Jazz would be able to take down, take advantage of Luca being out early on the series. They did not. So what, what were your thoughts on the Mavericks not only holding serve without Luca, but then kind of just putting the Jazz out of their playoff misery? Yeah, you know, just the the consistency that we see from Utah every year in the playoffs is that they're frauds. They don't <laughs> they don't have the wings to get it done. I thought them losing Joe Ingles midseason really hurt them. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, they're just they're just not built for the postseason. Donovan Mitchell's a good player, but he's a little spotty sometimes. Um, and he's not a great defender. Utah can't really defend. Gobert gets played off the court after playoffs, and that just held serve again. And it led me to probably one of my greatest takes I've ever had in sports, which you'll probably talk about in the next round. Yeah, I think we might touch on it. Yeah, we'll see. Um in the second round, I think outside of the, the game seven series between uh, Boston and Milwaukee, it's the other game seven that had just headlines across the board. Dallas and Phoenix went to seven as the home team won the first six games. 
Phoenix has game seven at home. They defending Western Conference champions. And they laid what has to be one of the biggest game seven eggs, just complete and utter duds I have ever witnessed in my life. Dallas just went in there and curb stopped them to in just from start to finish. This this was a four-quarter, 48-minute throttling of the Phoenix Suns, courtesy of Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Squid, it's been about a week or two since that game seven. Uh, do you have any idea what you witnessed on that game? Yeah, I, I can't remember the, the person who initially said this in NBA history, but the game series can start until the road team wins a game. Yep. And the series started in, in game seven, which is just amazing because, you know, I thought the Suns were super cocky all year long, you know, for not winning anything last year. Like they were the best team, like the, you know, 2016, 2017 Warriors, like they were carrying themselves like that, you know, like the 95 Bulls acting like they are them. And mm-hmm. I said it right at the start of the postseason podcast, the Dallas Mavericks will beat the Phoenix Suns and go to the Western Conference Finals. And it happened. I didn't think it was going to happen in seven games. I thought Luca was going to dominate the whole series, which he played great the whole series, but it took him seven games to do it. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, ultimately it just comes down to Luca being an all-around player where the Suns, they're good, but they patch it together with, like, the Chris Paul's the setup guy, and then Booker's the scorer, and then they have all the defenders, and Aiton's the big man. It's like, but if not all of them are all connected or healthy at the right time, it can't work. Where Luca, if he's healthy, he can do all of it. So I just kind of figured, you know, Luca would be able to be good enough to get past them because he is that dude. Um, it's super impressive what he's doing without, you know, a superstar cast around him, mm-hmm. which I love to see these days because all everyone ever wants is super teams. So it's pretty cool to see Luca do that. And yeah, he dominated. Uh, Chris Paul choked per usual, which I love to see. And I hate Devin Booker, so that was an awesome series for me. <laughs> and then the other Western Conference semifinal series was also interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, unfortunately, John Morant's health caught up to him in this series. Uh, whether or not it was his own doing or some dirty play on the Warriors, that's that's still up for debate. But after John ja Morant went out for injury, the series looked pretty much dead to rights. Although the Grizzlies did force a game six by throttling and just destroying Golden State in a, a game five in Memphis. That Golden State just slept walked through. I, I think they just did not care about game five in that series whatsoever. Just felt like closing it out at home in game six because they let the Grizzlies go up 52 on them in a playoff game in a second round series, which is just embarrassing when that team didn't even have their best player on the floor. Uh, but I think that just goes to show you that the warrior, where the warriors mindset is, they literally said, you can have game five. You will not beat us whatsoever in game six at home. Uh, so I know we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the warriors in when we get to the Western conference finals, but squid, give me your initial takeaways on what the Warriors have been doing so far in the playoffs this year, which is basically just handling their business and just coasting. Yeah, absolutely. That's what vets do. Vets who are talented handle their business and Golden State has a perfect mixture of young guys who are athletic and, you know, can get buckets like uh, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. Um, You know, they got a couple of like Kaminga, Mooney, they have a couple of young guys who can get buckets, but then also they have good wing defenders there. And then they have the steady vets like Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Stephen Curry. And I actually think that's kind of what we're seeing this postseason is the vet, the vets are taking over. And that's mainly because like, like, yes, there's these young superstars getting to these levels that we're seeing right now. At the same time, like this, the league's kind of going through a transition right now after, you know, LeBron getting older and Durant starting to get a little bit older and some of these players getting older where it's kind of like these young guys are taking over. But the point is Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, uh, Al Horford, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, guys like of those nature are willing their team to go further in the playoffs because they've been there before. And it's making it easier. Like, for example, Golden State getting the Memphis Grizzlies is kind of, I thought was a mismatch all along just because Golden State has so much experience. They're not going to lose a series like that to those guys. I mean, maybe next year, possibly they could lose a series to them. But this year, I just didn't think Memphis had that experience yet. And I just think 
you know, Golden State's had that steady hand. They have a good mixture of young athleticism, shooting, defense, and yeah, being smart at the right time, well coached. And that's what Golden State is. And I will say Draymond Green is an absolute savage because he goes out, plays some of the best defense you can possibly play, then goes home, starts a podcast, tells you how the game broke down, gives the other coach pretty much the film of what they're what Golden State's doing to be better than the other team and then goes and plays again. And it's like, and he's doing it for every series. And it's just, it's been a savage. He's been, Draymond Green has been a savage going on podcasts, his own mm-hmm. podcast after these games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad, bad take on my part. Uh, last time we did this by uh, picking Memphis to go on a deep run and win it all that, that was, I think I, I was a year or two too soon on, on that one, but. Uh, and I won't be surprised next year. If that's the case. Yeah. But. I will say, I my, I know my NBA Finals right now is holding serve, uh, and you were close. I I was close. I at least got the Eastern Conference Finals matchup right. So, but that's not really saying much because I it, it was literally chalk in the East because yeah. in the other Eastern Conference semifinal matchup, the Miami Heat took down Harden and Bead in the Philadelphia 76ers. The MB just ran out of steam. The injuries piled up and Harden, as we've used this term a couple of times already, fraud, playoff fraud. And it finally just reared its ugly head in the series. And I don't know what his deal is, but he just does not look like the same type of player and his own players, Joel, even Joel Embiid went on the record post series and said, yeah, he does not look like the James Harden from Houston. I don't know where that guy is, but he's not here in Philly. And that's a tough look for a guy that's going to be demanding like an abhorrent Supermax contract coming up. So he'd advance to take on the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm sure – I know this brought a joy to my heart, Squid. I can only imagine how overjoyed, how thrilled you were to see Harden and the 76ers crumble. To be honest with you, you know, I obviously love seeing them crumble at the same time. I, I predicted them to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. For one reason, it's because I didn't want to play the Miami Heat. And I would have rather just swept the Sixers like usual. It would have been a lot easier for my heart to take. I could have had a round off of having to worry about losing games, <laughs> um, which obviously is not the case anymore. But I wanted to see that happen mainly because I wanted to be right about all four series, but also I wanted to ease your opponent. However, I'm pumped to see those 76ers uh, fall like usual. It's just hilarious. Um, I am, I'm actually kind of starting to feel bad for Embiid. Um, it's tough for him. Uh, but overall, I mean, yeah, we're here. We are here, baby. Mm-hmm. Now let's, let's bring it back. So now we've kind of summed up the first two rounds. Let's let's break down the the conference finals so far. Let's start with our our Celtics. They're taking on the Heat. Game five is tonight as we record on this Wednesday, May twenty fifth. The series is deadlocked, two games apiece. History says whoever wins tonight in Game five will almost certainly win this series. As Game five winners win about eighty two percent of the series when they're deadlocked at two two. So this is a massive game for the Celtics, but how did we get here? Well, first two games in Boston, or I mean in Miami, excuse me, they were in Miami with Miami, the Heat having home court, and the Celtics were banged up. Both teams really banged up. I think Kyle Lowry uh, returned from his hamstring injury. Uh, you had... Marcus Smart missing game one due to just a litany of issues. I think game one, it was the foot sprain. So he was out of the lineup. Derek White started. And the Celtics did not look great in the the third quarter, which is typical of them. They won every other quarter in game one. They had themselves a nice little eight-point lead going into the half. The team was looking great. Uh and then the wheels just completely fell off in the third quarter. The Heat were getting anything and everything they wanted, drilling threes left and right. And ultimately, that third quarter is what did the Celtics in. They lost by 11. And Jimmy Butler finished the game with 41 points and nine rebounds, was 17 of 18 from the three throw line. 
and a plus 25. Uh, so that one, that one was tough. Not going to lie. Game two, Celtics get Marcus Smart back, and they look like a completely new team. They've got the whole lineup in. They've got everyone available. And not once again, they jump all over the heat in the first half, this time jumping out to a 25-point halftime lead. And it was a lead that they would not give up whatsoever. The Celtics had four players with 19 points or more, including Grant Williams with 19 off the bench at an absurd plus 37. Um, This one was pretty much a no contest. Uh, The the Heat starters just didn't have anything. Bam Adebayo was just non-existent. So, Squid, let me get your thoughts on the first two games of the series in Miami. What were your thoughts going into the series? And how were you feeling after those first two games in Miami? Yeah, so... My thoughts going into the series was the Celtics are going to have a tough time and they're going to uh, – the Celtics are going to take care of business maybe in six or seven games. Um, just because I am one of those people who actually kind of respects Miami, which just seems like 95% of Celtics Nation does not for some reason at this point, even though historically since, you know, I've been a fan of basketball, at least when I could actually understand what the sport is, they've owned us. So I don't – all that aside, I just – there's something with the Celtics and the Heat where I was like, this is going to be a long, well – hard series, even though I think we're the better team. Um, going into game one, I thought it was a schedule bus. Personally, we just had a seven game series with the bucks and all of a sudden we win game seven. You got to, which that game is later in the day. Like it was like, I think it was like a four o'clock game. Yep. You got to hop on a flight, get to Miami tip. You have one day off to game plan, but that really it's a travel day. And you're playing that night. It was a schedule loss in my opinion. Um, that, that being said, that's mainly because, they like they literally just jumped from one series to another with a day off in between, no prep at all. That's tough. It's hard to get your mindset right for that first game. Um, and then obviously Al Horford did not play that game because of apparently he had COVID, which he did not, which is crap. And I wish he was playing because we probably would have won that game if Horford had played. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I believe Marcus Smart was also up for the first game. Yep. Yep. So we were missing both of those players. Uh we were playing well for three of the four quarters and we almost came back in the fourth quarter. If we had smart and Horford, we would have took care of business for sure. I, I think, um, but we got punked in that third quarter, uh, game two reverts back to the norm. Uh, you know, Celtics fully healthy besides, I think it was Derek white. who was having a kid. Um, absolutely said, no, we're the better team. This is how the series is going to go. We're a better basketball team than you guys. Um, I honestly, I just, that's how it's served through those two games, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So what I expected, we still won in Miami. Yeah. Uh, then we series moves back to Boston. Game three, needing a big time performance. The Celtics pretty much laid an egg here. And yes, Jalen Brown had 40 points. And yes, they only lost by six. But anyone who watched enough of this game and unfortunately, I did watch enough of this game. The turnovers were unfathomable in, in this one. The Celtics had 23 turnovers, which resulted in, I think, 37 points for the Miami Heat in this one. And they just, as close as this game was, the Celtics ended up whittling a 20, I think it was a 26-point lead in in game three for the heat at one point down to two with like a minute and a half to go, maybe two minutes to go. Ultimately they just didn't have enough in the tank to complete the comeback, but asking, trying to win a game when you turn the ball over 23 times is just, it's just impossible. I'm just You're not going to win a basketball game when you turn the ball over 23 times then the other team only turns the ball over eight times. You're just, you're just not going, it's not going to happen. And Miami did just enough. Bam Adebayo showed up in this one, dropped a cool 31, 10 and six, 15 of 22 from the field, just got whatever he wanted at, at will. And that was enough for Miami to steal home court back in this one. 
it, it was it was just a tough game to watch for a Celtics fan because uh, nobody could do it was a waste of a 20 and 14 game from Al Horford Tatum just did not look like himself whatsoever had twice as many turnovers as made field goals uh, Jalen Brown just constantly forgetting how to dribble the basketball despite his 40 burger I mean it's just not it was it was a tough watch all around luckily game four the Celtics showed up and showed out in this one jumped out to an early 21 of four lead and never looked back winning this one by 20 uh, Tyler hero did not play in this one he was out with a groin strain Jimmy Butler was clearly uh, showing signs of a lingering injury. He's been dealing with knee issues for some time. He looked whack in this one. And luckily the Celtics had a very good bounce back performance. Only nine turnovers in this one as they went on to win by 20. So now we are deadlocked two two. squid. Give me your thoughts on the topsy turvy differences between game three and game four. Yeah, so game three, the Celtics were drinking their own tea. They were saying, okay, they're listening to the media. We just went into Miami, took one. When it wasn't a scheduled loss, we're way better than them. We don't really have to try too hard to win the series. Our talent will carry us right through this. And that's what happens when you do that is you start the game by getting absolutely – they were down 26 at the end of the first quarter. I mean, they turned the ball over. I think I think you gave them too much credit. I think they had 24 turnovers. And, I, mm-hmm. and honestly, that they beat themselves. I heard a lot of people saying, oh, well, Miami's defense. I'm like, if you watch half of those turnovers, it was just horrible dribbling, like rush dribbling or passing it literally right at them. It was just playing without pl- playing with your instincts, not with your brain. And that's what they did um, all game long. They, they should have won that game even with all of the turnovers because they had so many chances to win that game and they just kept turning it over and making bad decisions and not guarding throughout most of the game where it's like, all right, guys, do you really want to win or do you think your ta- ta- talent is just going to carry you there? So it was kind of a mixture of like the Heat. The Heat can't play half court offense. They can't do it. They, the Heat have no half court offense, especially without Tyler Hero. And then the Celtics giving them all those fast breaks allowed the Heat to get a lead and kind of hold the lead throughout the game, which it got down to one point with like three minutes left. But it's like you you cannot let the Heat get out on the fast break like that and turn it over. At least in, if you're going to turn it over, that's yeah. fine but it has to be like a dead ball turnover where it's like out of bounds or something. It cannot be these, it cannot be these fast break turnovers giving Jimmy Butler and whoever they have in their team, fast break layups and getting in ones, whatever it is. Cause that is just not the way to play the Miami heat. I don't care if you're making less risky passes and you're just, you know, taking some harder shots. I'd rather have you do that than just give the heat three points. Cause that's the only way they can beat us. It's truly the only way, even if Jimmy Butler's playing well, that's the only way they can beat us. Um, and once the Celtics started trying again at the end of the second quarter, they had like a 10-0 run to end the half and get it down to 15, which shows like it's really not what the Heat are doing. It's what the Celtics are lacking to do. And that's part of them having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both being 25 or younger and smart, still still kind of growing into the player he is as the true point guard. And, um, and, and you know, Robert Williams still being young, Pritchard being young. Really the only steady veteran they have is uh, Al Horford. So – I think it's just a testament to like game four, them being like, okay, let's get focused. We have to win this game, but also the heat kind of being like, well, we stole the game. We needed to, we're banged up. We're just going to kind of go out there and give what we got, but uh, you know, didn't work for them. So I do think that these last two games have clearly shown the Celtics are the better team. I mean, there's a world with the Celtics, the series is over already and they swept them because game one, if they had given us another day in between or if smart or Horford had played, I think they win that game. They still could have won it if they didn't get punked in the third quarter. Uh, and then also in the, the third game, they easily could have won that one also. And I really do think they could have swept them in the series, which would have been amazing because you can rest up, get Time Lord and healthy for the finals and Horford the rest he needs because he's, he's, what is he, 45 years old? He's 35, but he's, you know, yeah. he's been around forever. <laughs> so we're putting a lot of miles on the guy. Mm-hmm. They have a shoulder issue. So whatever it is, like it would have been nice to get the series over with quicker, which, I mean, it's frustrating because – you know, that would be the case if we had one game five against the Bucs, which is a game I'll harp back on if we lose the series, this game five against the Bucs, because that series could have been over faster. We could have had some rest in between the series and been fine for game one in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one just it feels like if both teams were fully healthy, the Celtics would, like you said, would have cruised 
in this series. The fact that they were down two starters in game one and they only lost, they, they were up almost double digits at halftime and only lost one quarter in that game, but got completely blown out in it. So it ended up costing them. And then in the other game, they beat themselves so bad that they couldn't dig themselves out of the hole. But even in that moment of digging themselves a 26 point deficit, they almost dug themselves out, which is crazy. Like if they, if they just didn't beat themselves up if they, and, and they were just healthy, they probably have already advanced in the series, even if you, you gave both teams perfectly good health. So I, I definitely agree with you in that sense that this series could and probably in some regards should be already over and the Celtics should be gearing up for a trip to the finals. But that is not the case. That's not where we find ourselves right now. And that leads to a pivotal game five tonight. And uh, I want to mention – for those of you who are Celtics, you know, lifers, been Celtics fans for a while. There was a, a series a couple of years back, which actually the same player was on the other team. Um, it was against the Chicago Bulls the year that IT uh, was like absolutely cooking. We were we were the one seed, and we went down in the series 0-2 to the Chicago Bulls. And those, both of those first games, we got absolutely pumped. Like, they got up into the ball. They were playing us hard. They, they knew what our flaws were, and they exploited them, and they got in our heads. They were mentally stronger than us, and then we – and then we understood that's what they were doing and won four games in a row. And I just kind of see that a similar thing with this series. It's kind of a Jimmy, Jimmy Butler uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. So let's hope that is the case. Uh, I think this series is ultimately just going to come down to who is healthier when all is said and done. And right now that looks to be the Celtics. Uh, looks Woj put out a tweet not too long ago saying that Robert Williams is going to test his left knee out tonight. And there is optimism that he should be able to play tonight. If that's the case, we should also be getting Marcus smart back. I believe in which case that would mean we've got our full complement of players to go tonight should have the usual starting five and everyone available on the bench. That won't be the case for the heat as Tyler Hero is highly questionable to suit up with his groin strain tonight. And even if he does play, we saw how Jimmy Butler performed in game four. He looks to be a bit sluggish dealing with that those knee issues. So the Heat definitely look to be the more banged up team. Uh, but I think it's very key that Robert Williams, if he is capable and given the green light, is available to play and plays well. I, I think he is a difference maker in shutting down Bam Adebayo and forcing others to get the offense. Because in, in that one game that Time Lord sat out, which I believe was game three, Bam just had a field day. Yeah, absolutely. So what are – I'm just going to get straight to the punch here, Squid. Game five tonight, who do you like? And do you think the Celtics have it in them to find a way to pull out two more wins and get to the finals? Great question. Great question. Uh, Yeah, tonight is the night. You know, it's one of those nights as a Celtics fan. And I think it was similar to game six in Milwaukee last series where it's like, if you lose, it's over. You don't want to go down, like you said, 83% of the time. If you lose game five of a series, it's done. And I know last series we pulled it up. We also had home court last series. You only had to go into Miami and win one game, and then you could come home and, you know, take care of business in easy fashion like they did. But it's the opposite now. You don't have home court. You cannot lose. I mean, you could, you can lose this game because you'll probably win game six, but then you have to go into Miami for game seven, and that's not good. And, you know, game seven, historically, uh, there was a lot of whistles. Uh, and there's a lot less whistles, and they let them play, and that's what the Heat love. So you need to take care of business tonight. Um and I, and I actually do think the Celtics are going to take care of business, and I have two reasons why. My first reason for this is because looking back at Jason Tatum's career, every time Jason Tatum has earned an accolade that kind of shows like he's that dude, he goes out and has an absolutely stellar game. The first time he was voted to, to the All-Star game, he went out and had like three 40-point games in a row. Um, then I believe he, had, he got third-team All-NBA a couple of years ago, and when that happened, he had an absolutely crazy game. This year... Yesterday, he was named to the first team All-NBA for the first time in his career. And I think Tatum is a guy that kind of gets in his own head. Like, he just has bad games and gets in his own head, which you could see, which you saw in game – that was game three, correct? Yes. 
Yeah, what you saw in game three. And now Tatum is hearing this award, all of his players, his teammates, friends around the league are like, yep, Tatum's that dude. We all know this. And now Tatum's telling himself like, all right, it's solidified. I am that dude. I don't really have anything to prove. I can play comfortable. I can play free. And I think Jason Tatum is going to absolutely go off tonight. I think Jason Tatum's our lead. Like he's, he's our best player and your best player needs to win you series sometimes. And I think tonight he's going to go into Miami and absolutely go off. Uh, and that's mainly because they don't have anyone to guard him. If Butler's going to be hurt and Tucker's going to have still have a rough hamstring and Lowry has a bad hamstring. And I mean, I think it's a big chance for Tatum to be like legacy game tonight. I'm going for 45 and or 50 points and putting my stake in the ground saying, this is our series. We're going to the NBA finals. I'm that dude. I will be that dude for the next 10, 15 years. It's his time. It is. And my second reason is because there's one other player in the Celtics that I think knows this is his best and probably his last chance at becoming an NBA champion. And that is one Al Horford. Al Horford um, has been a steady, steady all-star or just very good player his whole career. Um, he deserves the NBA championship. He knows he deserves the NBA championship. He's back in Boston. He knows this is it. He has to win it now. And I think Al Horford has been the steady hand for us throughout this postseason. And I think tonight Al Horford is going to have that Al Horford game like we saw against the Bucks, where he's going to get aggressive <laughs> on offense. He's going to hit shots. He's going to stare Giannis down, do the head nod, turn it into a viral meme, go and dunk on Giannis and score 30 points, saving the Celtics season. I think that's going to happen again tonight. I don't know if he'll score 30, but I think Al Horford is going to have a big offensive game tonight and a big defensive game and really hit those big shots down the stretch. Cause I do think this game will be closer. I think Horford and Tatum are just going to take turns at, you know, hitting the big shot and the Celtics are going to, it's going to be close all game and the Celtics are going to take off at the end. I, I didn't mention this when we were quickly touching on Bucks Celtics, but that game where Al Horford went absolutely nuts and was draining every shot, every three pointer he took, I was at work that game. I was jumping for joy. I, I had coworkers looking at me like, are you okay? Like, no, no, no. I am fine. Al Horford is on another level right now. I don't know what has become of him, but I need him to stay that way. And, and we've it, gotten glimpses of it. Yeah. It was amazing, dude, because he, Giannis dunked on him and then oh. like got <laughs> technical and Horford was like, oh, all right, that's how you want to do it? Okay. And I saw a bunch of Bucks fans tweeting like Al Horford nodding at Giannis like he's actually going to do something. And then he went <laughs> off. It was crazy. And I was taking a huge victory lap that night because I believe I came on your podcast and one of my other buddies' podcasts about a year ago right now saying mm -hmm. the Celtics should trade Kemba Walker for Al Horford. Get rid of the contract. Al Horford still has something left in the tank, which everyone said, no, he does not. He's old. And that's what Brad Stevens and myself, who are aligned, we talked a lot, did it. It happened. Al Horford's back. He had that game. I was probably took the biggest victory lap I've ever taken on Twitter. Uh, just on, I couldn't sleep that night. I was just had so much adrenaline going through my body. And I just think tonight's going to be one of those nights where I am just so happy from what I just saw out of Tatum and Horford. And tomorrow morning, I'll be talking about how my two fair players just had more legacy nights. Mm -hmm. And we would be remiss if we did not shout out the legacy game that Scott Foster and co had in game four. We, we, we appreciate you. The, the extender, extender is here. The extender. Lives. Straight out of the WWE. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's, let's, let's table the, the Eastern conference finals for now. Uh, I, I'll, we'll give our, our series predictions at the end and, and what we think about a potential potential NBA finals matchup in at the end here, but let's, let's touch on the other conference finals matchup. That being the golden state warriors and the Dallas Mavericks. This is the three, four matchup out West golden state has pretty much cruised in this one took. Now, when I say cruised, I mean, the final score looks like they cruised. Uh, Dallas has given, has brought the fight. Luka Doncic has been that guy. He's been putting up numbers, filling the stat sheet, no doubt about it. But he hasn't had a ton of help uh, when push comes to shove in the series. And the Warriors have just found ways to pull away in fourth quarters, late in the games here against the Mavs. They did that not only at home in games one and two, but also in game three to take a commanding 3-0 series lead. And last night, Dallas finally got in the win column 
took game four to force the series back to Golden State for a game five. Now, I I think we're both going to be in agreement here. I don't think any either of us think that Dallas and, and Luca have it in them to be the first team in NBA history in 147 tries to come down, to come back from 3-0 and win a postseason series. But that being said, what what has kind of caught your eye in this series, whether it be Luca just putting up absurd numbers and just dominating, or is it just the Warriors just seemingly just cruising through this postseason run? Yeah, great question. Uh, I honestly, hey, we have seen the Warriors blow a three-one lead before, but we have a different story. The other side had LeBron James, so uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean this. This is kind of what I expected when I predicted the Mavs to go to the conference finals against the Warriors. I figured the Warriors would kind of handle them pretty easily just because I figured if the Mavs were going to make it through Phoenix, uh, they were eventually going to run out of steam. And that seems what is happening here. I mean, they still they had a win last night. And actually, I would love to see the Mavs win another game or two because that would just prolong Golden State from having to be able to sit and rest their players for a while. Because if we are going to make it to the finals, I really, really, really want Golden State to not have a week and a half of rest, whether it's in Cancun or in Golden State. Uh, I really don't want to see that. So, I mean, so far what I've seen from the series is that um, the Warriors have way more offense than the Mavs. I mean, Luka's great on offense and he's doing great, but I've seen I've seen some advanced stats where, like, the per- percentage of open shots, like, uncontested, which is, like, I believe players within three feet of them, is actually the exact same as it has been for their past two rounds. So they're getting the same shots. Those shots are just not going in anymore, which to me, that shows me the players on the Mavs are either regressing to the means like players like Reggie Bullock. And uh, they have, they have, uh, they have a bunch of wings who are like mediocre shooters that got really hot. For Finney a Smith. There. Yeah. Finney Smith, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jalen Brunson's a good shooter, so I'll give him credit, but uh, those, those guys kind of were hitting all their threes and now they're not hitting the open threes. And I think that's also partially because, once you get really far into the postseason, you actually start to lose your legs. And when you start to lose your legs, you have less lift on your jump shots. And that's what's happening with the Mavericks, in my opinion, is they were relying so much on shooting and they're living and dying by the three, which is exactly what's happening. And in the end of the day, that is why defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they just, they just haven't been able to slow down the Warriors enough really to, to really be able to play a consistent 48 minutes and that's what they're going to have to do if they want to get the series back to Dallas there there's so many there's just too many shooters on Golden State to to be like oh we need to shut down this guy now you just you just kind of have to contain each of them as a whole and and just limit the damage across the board that's that's really what all you can hope to do especially when Golden State rolls out that that small ball death lineup that they they've just been so so good at at, at use, utilizing and it, it's not like the defensive numbers lack when that number when that lineup rolls out and they're playing small ball like they they it is they do not call it a death lineup for nothing um do you think dallas can force a game six squid or you think this one is as good as done um i actually do I actually think Dallas wins the next game and Golden State take care, takes care of it in six. And that's just to add my respect for Luka Doncic because I don't think he's going to go down like a – like a like he's not going to go down like a schmuck. He's going to he's gonna keep fighting. I think we have one more game of Luka Magic at us, and I think Golden State blows him out in game six in Dallas, actually. Mm-hmm. So that's my – and also, that death lineup you mentioned, I saw someone nickname it the pool party. That's an awesome lineup because they add pool <laughs> with Curry and, uh, Curry and Thompson. That's an awesome nickname for the uh, Warriors death lineup. Oh my God, the pool party. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can get on board with it, but I can definitely appreciate it. My Michigan boy showing out. <laughs> now, since we both are of the mindset that Golden State should be advancing at some point to the NBA Finals, the question then becomes, do we either of us think that with the way Golden State has played now, they have shown some some sleepwalking efforts, no doubt about it. They've had a couple of games where they just, I don't know where their heads were at, but they just completely sleptwalked through the entirety of the game. But when they show up, they show out. So, but that being said, 
do you think either Boston or Miami can can hang with Golden State? And who who would you think has a better shot of taking down Golden State? Yeah. Um, so I that was my predicted NBA finals was Celtics Warriors, and I'm still confident it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if if the Golden State Warriors get the Miami Heat, especially in the condition the Miami Heat are in, I think the Warriors are going to sweep them, and it's going to be one of the boringest NBA Finals of all time because I really just don't think the Heat can hang with them. They don't have the offense, to, the half court offense, to hang with the Heat. They do not. They cannot score them. It would be an absolute bloodbath. Um, if the Boston Celtics make it to the NBA Finals, I think that thing's going seven. Um, and I mainly say it's going seven because. The Celtics' size and defense can actually stifle the Warriors' offense, and the Warriors aren't – they're okay defensively. They're good. They're a good defensive team. But I think the Celtics would have their way on offense where it would be an awesome series, and it's kind of one of those series where it's like, is Steph Curry going to be Steph Curry or is Marcus Smart going to – you know, Marcus Smart and Derek White, which is why we have them, mm-hmm. going to be able to stifle Curry and really get into him, get into him. And I honestly, I think – and it's crazy to say like, well, the Heat and the Celtics are going to – might go seven, but you think one team's going to get swept and one team's going to go seven. And, yeah, I had good reasons for that, and that's because the Heat are a team that aren't really the Celt- the best matchup for the Celtics in a mental sense. The Celtics just lack – if anything, the Celtics lack is like mental mental uh, strength long-term throughout a game, throughout a series, and that's just because – I mean, they're good at being resilient, but they're not good at staying – on top of everything, playing smart and playing hard for all four quarters. You know, they've done it all year. Um, I just think this, the Heat are a good – especially with Coach Spo over there, they're a good matchup for the Celtics because they have a lot of vets and they're just – you know, they get into us and they punk us a little bit. Where you, where Golden State doesn't – I mean, besides Draymond, they don't really do that as much. They don't really get into you. And I think that's the way to beat the Celtics by getting into them. So I just feel like it's a completely different series. Mm-hmm. So – I definitely think the Celtics have the better chance. And I think that series, and you've kind of touched on it already, is it's going to come down to Celtics defense versus that Golden State offense. Because we know the Celtics can get theirs on offense. And Golden State, when they want to, they've, they've shown the ability to lock down defensively. I mean, holding Dallas to 87 in game one. I mean, there's, there's something to be said there. That being said... Uh, I think it ultimately comes down to that the two strengths clashing. Golden State offense, Boston on defense. Who is would win in that in that matchup on that side of the ball? And I think that on top of just player overall player health is what would probably dictate who would go on to win that series. Uh, I, I I'm gonna agree with you to a degree in our. Eastern Conference Finals predictions. I do think the Celtics will find a way to advance, although I don't think it will be in six. I think this one will find its way to be back in Miami for game seven. But I think Boston will persevere yet again uh, one way or another and get back to the finals for the first time since 2010? 2010, yeah. 2010, 2011. Yeah, it's 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 been a little bit. It's been a bit, and th- and that's crazy because I the last time the Celtics won the title is 07, 08. Yep. Which it's now twenty twenty two, and I'm like that was fifteen years ago, which <laughs> doesn't feel like that long ago when you think about twenty twenty two to two thousand eight because it's kind of like they were both kind of in the middle of the centuries. Where if you told me nineteen eighty five to two thousand was the last time, I'm like that's a long time. So. Mm. It's actually kind of like it has been a while since the Celtics have won a title or even been there. I mean, they've lost four, three other conference finals, which is it'll be pain, absolute pain if they lose another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and my main thing about this is like if the Celtics are gonna win the win the East and then lose to Golden State in a competitive fashion, like six or seven games, I don't think I I mean hats off to Golden State. I don't think that's like one of those losses where you're like, oh, this is devastating, we'll never recover from this, blow the team up, you know which is like how the Boston media always reacts. If they don't win the championship, you got to blow the team up. Uh, versus if we lose the heat, it, I can understand why a lot of people are going to be like, all right, we, we seem like we turned the page and then we just lose to them again. Are you serious? And yeah. you know, it might be because of injuries, whatever, whatever happens here. But like, I think in a sense, the Celtics expectations should be to get to the NBA finals. And if they lose the Warriors in the end of the day, there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. 
totally. if we lose the Heat, it's a little bit of shame. <laughs> yeah, especially when they beat you two years ago in the bubble. I know that was the bubble, but still losing two straight conference finals within a span of three years to the same team, more or less. Not and they have not, no superstars either. Yeah, would not be a great look. Um, so that is that. There's a one other thing I want to get your, your your thoughts on Squid before we wrap this up here, and that is the MVP award as well as all NBA honors. So MVP for the NBA, as a lot of leagues do, gets voted purely based on the regular season. I've I've seen a lot of people of late commenting that MVP and other awards shouldn't be voted on until the completion of the playoffs and everyone has had the full plate, the full palette of both regular season and playoffs in order to see how players handle that postseason moment. Do you feel like MVP and, and other awards like all NBA should be voted on after the playoffs or before the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, man, I guess, it depends because, like, you know, they make the finals MVP award for, like, a for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, if you're the finals MVP, does that mean, like, you're the regular season MVP? Then also, especially if it's, like, a guy, like, say, for example, like, Embiid had won, won, won the finals. That probably would have swayed the award big time, obviously. But, I, I mean, I think the NBA MVP should be a regular season award just because, you know, one player can really carry, like, carry a team in, during the regular season and get them to, like, a two, three, one, whatever, one seed, whatever it is. But on the other side, like, I do think the All-NBA team should be awarded after the playoffs because I feel like that should be a playoff award included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of a split decision there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really he- neither here nor there on the whole award voting uh, thing. I think I, I would tend to agree with you on the All-NBA team because all, all the All-NBA awards, though, I mean, those ha- those there's a lot of money on the line for some of these players with super maxes and how much they can go towards the salary cap and whatnot. So it only feels right that if you're going to say like, Oh, if, if this player makes all this all NBA team, whether it's first, second or third, that they will be eligible for this version of the super max. You might as well, I think it's only fair that you encapsulate the entirety of the season, not just regular season. You should wait until the playoffs and, and be able to make a judgment on it by that. MVP, defensive player, yeah, I think it's probably better off just to leave it as a regular season award. That way you can have conference finals player of the uh, conference finals player of the series, whatever it is. Uh, uh, and then uh, or fi- uh, Eastern Conference Finals MVP or uh, NBA Finals MVP, what name you? I think they they actually renamed the conference finals. They I think it's like the Larry Bird Award and the Magic Johnson Award now, if I remember correctly. Um, so I mean, those now exist. Um, so I guess that would kind of take away from those. Uh, so I think it, it probably is best to just keep it as a MVP and, and the like as regular season, but. I think the all NBA should probably be an entirety of the season. That being said, I, squid, go ahead. I'm grateful. I'm actually very grateful that the uh, NBA, the NBA awards, like the, uh, the first team awards, second team awards, like the, the all NBA awards are a regular season right now, because with what Jason Tatum did in that net series last year, where he had like two, I think he had one 50 point game and another like 45 point game. Yeah. That probably would have propelled him to get to the third team all NBA. Mm-hmm. And that would have resulted in Tatum's contract being like 40 or 30 something million dollars more. It would have spiked. And that is awesome. He did not get that. Sorry, Jason Tatum, that you didn't get the money. You'll get plenty in your career. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but that allows the Celtics to be super flexible, like their with their cap wise over the next four years and actually sustain like a championship contender versus, you know, just paying your one two guys a ton of money so i'm grateful that award is regular season Mm -hmm. and my last thing that i want to ask you is since we know who the regular season mvp was it was nikola Jokic again over Embiid. who would you say so far has been the playoffs mvp that's a good question because 
I mean, looking at all four teams left, it has to be one of these four players because they're the teams that are alive. Um, you know, I'm going to go team by team saying if it's Miami, it's going to be Butler, which he's been dog water these last two games. Uh, Celtics, it's got to be Jason Tatum. Um, you know, he's had a couple of bad games, but every bad game he has, he recovers in an amazing fashion. And then Warriors, it's Steph, and uh, Mavs, it's Luka. And, you know, to the second, because the Mavs haven't lost the series yet, I'm going to go with Luka just because every single game he is just a man on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you're going to get to the finals here and it ends up being Celtics, uh, Celtics versus Warriors, I think it's a toss-up between Tatum and Curry. Mm-hmm. And I think one of those two players will be your finals MVP. I mean, but knowing Steph Curry's career, he gets the finals and then someone else wins finals MVP. So it'll probably be Jordan Poole for all we know. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say it's got right up to this point. It's Luca for me. Yeah. And if, 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 if we're expanding it outside of the final four teams remaining, I mean, Giannis has to be included oh, in that of mix course. with the uh, ridiculous numbers he was posting up like you were you harping on before so uh, we'd be remiss Mm -hmm. yeah we'd we'd be remiss to not include him in that mix all right man i think that's gonna be it do you have any final thoughts going into game five the rest of the series anything else that we haven't really gotten a chance to touch on quite yet not necessarily the only thing i will say is you know i'm i am grateful to be here that we're in game five a pivotal conference finals game we could be pistons fans we could be magic fans whatever it is we're lucky we're here um whatever happens happens at this point obviously it's going to be just absolutely gut gut wrenching if we don't win the series it's going to be a tough pill to swallow probably a pill that i won't be able to swallow until next playoffs uh and you know quite frankly i'm happy we are here against the heat and not at home because if the bucks had beat the celtics I probably would have had to pack up my whole house by now and uh, move back to Wisconsin <laughs> because, man, people were letting me hear it throughout those whole series, and it was rough. Mm. Yep. Uh, you know what? There is one last thing that I, I, I need to ask you, and it was it was about the, the all-NBA teams. Do you think they should just make those positionless? I know Tatum went to the media the other day and was like, when he was talking about how he was like still a little bit disappointed about last year, not making an NBA team. And now he's first team all NBA this year. Uh, But he, he made a point to say that the all NBA teams should probably be positionless because it doesn't make sense that the guy who finished second in MVP is somehow second team all NBA just because the guy who won it was the same position at center. So uh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, and honestly, I, I agree. I agree with uh, what Tatum and you just had to say is that like, it should be positionless because I mean, in the end of the day, like it should just be the five best players. And then the second team is the next five best players. And then the following team is the next five best players. Mm-hmm. And in, in my opinion, I know people said, well, that result in Tatum then kicked out the first team. I don't agree. I think Devin Booker should not have been on the first team. Devin Booker's was, a, I mean, him being so good, he can score a lot, but He's, in my opinion, he's a result of his system where I just think the other four are those dudes and MB should have been the fifth guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. That's agree. absolute nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor Joel MB. He misses out on MVP, which I think he should have won. But mm-hmm. I understand why Jokic or Giannis could have won it and Jokic did win it. He misses out on first team, which is absolute, not absolute bullshit. Like that one's just a joke. And then. The third one is he has to play with James Harden. His team gets bounced in the second round again after suffering through five years of Ben Simmons. Honestly, if I'm Joel Embiid, I'm getting to the offseason saying, I am done with Philadelphia. Get me out of here. <laughs> Man, that if if he got traded, holy. Oh, my God. Don't, don't. Uh, that We'll save those, those theories for a, an offseason pod. <laughs> but for now, we got Celtics Heat game five tonight against – uh, on ESPN and I am hoping and praying for a Celtics dub. They need to go back to home to Boston and close it out. I'm hoping it doesn't come to game seven, but if it does, I still think they'll pull through. All right. So that's going to do it on this edition of fixing to talk sports for squid. I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time.